The Australian sheep blowfly, Lucilia caprina, is thought to have arrived in Australia in the late 1800s. By the early 1900s, flystrike was a major problem for sheep farmers all across Australia. 150 years later, flystrike is still a major animal welfare issue for the Australian wool industry that costs our wool growers millions. G'day folks, you're listening to The Yarn, a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Ellie Bigwood and this episode is focused on the 2018 AWI breach fly strike RDE technical update that was held in Sydney this week. Here with me today is AWI's own Bridget Peachy, the program manager of Sheep Health and Welfare. Bridget, welcome. Thanks, Ellie. Good to be here. Bridget, what was the purpose of this forum? So the forum's held every two years and it's a really good opportunity for our stakeholders, our wool growers, other researchers, we've got animal welfare bodies there, to hear from our uh, research projects, to receive updates on where they're at and for our researchers to share ideas on future direction of their studies. Fantastic. And so can you talk a little bit about the key items on the agenda and your researchers and what they were talking about? Sure. So we asked our researchers to speak to our five key pillars under the AWI Breach Fly Strike Program. Those are addressing sheep breeding and selection, breach modification alternatives, improving management practices, wool industry training and engagement and supply chain engagement. So Bridget, I want to know a little bit more about the specific projects that you've been working on. You talked about the items that are on the agenda. What sort of projects fall into those categories that we're investing in? So a key key project that we received an update on and one that's recently been completed is some pain relief work that was done by the CSIRO. And what we heard from Alison Small, a researcher there, was the outcomes from that work in terms of testing pre- and post-operative drug combinations during mulesing. Um, The results from the study have already contributed to the registration of a new pain relief product. So we actually now have three pain relief products available to our wool growers to use during mulesing, which is great. Very exciting, for sure. And Flystrike is obviously a significant area of investment. It has been for a long time, with over $30 being invested in this space by AWI since 2005. What is the progress that we are making and what have we delivered with this investment for our wool growers? Well, some of the significant wins that we've had, and as I've mentioned, we've got those three pain relief products available now uh, for mulesing. We've also managed to map the blowfly genome, which is a significant body of work done by the University of Melbourne. And this is already contributing to next steps in consideration for development of projects around the areas of development of new chemicals, uh, looking at blowfly vaccines. Exciting. Yeah, Yeah. and and potentially will give us a better understanding of blowfly resistance to chemicals, so helping us manage that significant problem to growers. So the chemical resistance and talks of a vaccine and things like that, are they some of the new exciting projects on the horizon for the sheep health and welfare program or...? Yeah, for example, a couple of significant projects that I'm, I'm looking at now is one is what work is there out there that we can do to look into developing a blowfly vaccine? I mean, that would be a great outcome for growers. Great outcome. <laughs> and another really innovative and exciting project is the use of nanotechnology. So that's been able to encapsulate current chemicals in this nano capsule, which means the chemicals we currently have can be delivered better and hopefully they can, you know, they've got better adherence to the wool, they break down less through UV, for example, and um, so it means that we can have better control over that chemical use and hopefully reduce 
um, the risk of resistance there as well. Oh, fantastic. No, it's very exciting. I'm very excited to hear more about this research down the track. Are you happy with how the forum went? It was fabulous. I think, you know, I've got a really good team here at AWI that made sure the management went really well. The presenters did a great job. And I thought there was a really positive vibe in the room in terms of people understanding that we've got a lot of work on. We've got a lot we've still got a long way to go before we find some, you know, really solid solutions about breach fly strike, but we're definitely on track. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for giving up your time to speak with me today and thank you for being a part of the forum. It was fantastic. Thanks, Ali. One of the key speakers for the day was Dr. Alison Small of CSIRO. Alison has now completed a comprehensive field study of musing pain relief options. She spoke with Marius Cumming. Alison, I presume you're Dr. Alison Small. I am. I, I do have a PhD. I'm a principal research scientist with the animal welfare team within the CSIRO Agriculture and Food Division. Now, we should be very proud of um, the sheep industry in Australia because it's pioneered a number of animal welfare um, treatments, um, pain relief, for want of a better term. I still think we should come up with a better term. You have looked into the various options that are available now, which is a very valuable bit of research. Um, Tell us a bit of uh, your work. So over the past two, nearly three years, we've carried out quite a large study uh, sponsored by Australian Wool Innovation and by Troy Laboratories. And Troy Laboratories have developed a product called Buckelgesic, which contains meloxicam. It's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agent, which means it uh, blocks certain hormones in the body that result in a pain sensation. And we did some work early on with Troy Laboratories and Buckelgesic, and we demonstrated that the active could alleviate the pain associated with castration and tail docking in lambs. And they were very interested to see if the buckledesic would be helpful against mulesing pain. So with a recent trial, we looked at lambs and wieners undergoing mulesing, and we looked at the effects of buckledesic and the effects of trisulfan, which is the current industry gold standard, and the combination of the two, because trisulfan is predominantly a local anaesthetic compound and as we know for from those of us who've had dental work when you go to the dentist you might get an injection of a local anaesthetic which takes away the initial pain of the insult and the dentist says to you well if this still aches a bit in a couple of hours take some painkillers and the painkillers you would take that you buy over the counter is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory so we were interested to see if the combination approach would also help sheep. You've done a lot of work on this various methodologies which you don't necessarily have to go into but tell us a little bit about um what, what you've found in general terms? So what we found, the things we measure, we look at the physiology of the animal, we look at the white cell response, which is the inflammatory stress response, how the blood changes in response to the insult, and things like cortisol, which is a stress hormone. We also look at the behaviour of the animals, because animals undergoing mulesing they carry out a, a particular repertoire of behaviours, particularly hunch standing, where they, they tuck their bottoms under and try and protect the area, or statue standing, where they just stand still and don't move at all because the movement would cause them pain. So we've measured these components in a series of studies, and to do the physiological measurements, we have to take blood samples, so we need the animals closely confined. So that's done inside an animal house with the animals in pens, where we can catch them quite easily and take blood samples. And and then 
to be more commercially relevant, we do field studies where three people sit in a little tent in the middle of a paddock with binoculars and they observe the lambs after the treatment and see what they're doing in terms of behaviours. And what we found is that both the local, both the local anaesthetic agent trisulfan and the non-steroidal buccalgesic, both of them caused improvements in the pain-related physiology and behaviours. For example, trisulfan gave a reduction in the white cell response and a reduction in the um, cortisol response in the first six hours post-mulesing. Buccalgesic also gave a reduction in the cortisol and white cell response in that six hours and then till 12 hours post-mulesing. And then in terms of the behaviours, both agents gave some improvements in the amount of time these animals spent in the hunch standing position or the statue standing position. And what was really interesting is when you watched how often the lambs were grazing in the field study, the lambs that had received the buccalgesic grazed significantly more than the surgically mulesed animals at the second hour to the sixth hour post-mulesing and very, very similar to animals who'd merely been handled and had no mulesing process carried out at all. Well, that's amazing work and amazing that you can record it all, <laughs> just remember <laughs> it all like that, Alison. But um, it, is, it is very significant work for the wool industry and um, you've really uh, gone into it in a huge amount of detail. Just in terms of how the uh, non-steroidal buccalgesic was administered, how soon was that administered before, before the operation? So the buccalgesic was actually given in the cradle just before the operation was carried out. And buccalgesic, the formulation is quite special in that it allows the molecule, meloxicam, to be absorbed really, really quickly into the bloodstream. And then it can get to the site where it can block these receptors. Um, if you give a, a drug into the mouth, the mouth is so well supplied with blood with a blood supply, um, it just absorbs molecules really quickly. And in human medicine, there are quite a lot of drugs that have to be absorbed really quickly that are delivered into the mouth. It's really easy to deliver. Um, we trained our farm staff at the experimental farm to give it after the second animal. Yet they were quite comfortable delivering it consistently. It's a gel base, so it's quite sticky. It, there's very little risk of the animal actually swallowing it because it sticks to the tongue, it sticks to the cheek, and it sticks to the mouth. And you can see that the animals, it's a blue color, so you can see which animals have actually had the drug because they have a little blue smile around their mouths. So what is the significance of this? Because I Obviously, you've, you've um, administered it in a, in a practical sense, as people would at landmarking. Do you think that your work has some significant uh, weight in terms of practice change for, uh, for mulesing? I think it should do. Um, they, there's definitely a will for farmers to do the best they can for their animals. There's a will to do whatever they can, as long as it is feasible and practical and our results show that giving the drugs in this this approach definitely causes reductions in that pain response, definitely improves the welfare of the animals and what I didn't mention previously, when you put the two together and you give trisulfan as well as the buccalgesic, you get the combined benefits of both drugs. Pre and post essentially, so it's a bit of a loaded question saying do you think that's best practice now? As a welfareist, I would say if you wanted to do the absolute best you could for your animals in the current time, if you mules, give both drugs. I understand that um, economically 
There may not be the premiums to do this, but both buccalgesic and trisulfan, and there is also the injectable Metacam 20 now registered for use in sheep. With those three products available, one should be able to find a, a situation or a tool that would fit your particular operation. And isn't it amazing that for the layperson, people say, oh, look, they haven't made a lot of headway with, uh, with, with animal welfare and mulesing, but really what you're talking about is in the last decade or so, a, a massive change in, uh, in, in technology, in uh, availability of, of, of these, um, these practices on farm in, in Australia, which has really led the world, I presume. Yes, this is, this is amazing. We had trisulfan on the market in 2006. Um, in 2015, we had buccalgesic registered for castration and tail docking. It was the first non-steroidal specifically registered for sheep in the world. Um, we have now had that registration expanded to mulesing and we have Metacam 20. Metacam 20 is licensed um, in Europe and in Canada. And again, that was a first for sheep in those countries. And uh, I don't know, where, where does this sit on um, the scale of importance in your, in your sort of academic career, I suppose, and the significance of the development of these um, very, uh, very important pain relief products? I think this is a, this is a massive step forward. Um, ideally, we wouldn't have to remove tissue from animals, but we're in a situation that to preserve their health in, during the rest of their life, this is needed by an, a number of producers. Uh, it is a massive step forward that we can provide effective pain relief. Just uh, broadening it out a little bit, and you're, you're a very experienced person in the, the animal welfare space. I mean, the ultimate solution is, of course, genetic. Do these developments delay the evolution of um, a genetic solution in terms of the industry moving away from mulesing? Does it mean does it allow people to mules for longer, essentially? Potentially, one could say that that is a potential outcome, but the genetic research continues. I think there is a will across the Australian industry to do the best they can for their animals. This allows the, an interim to do it as best as we can in the situation while we start to phase out and while we try to breed a flock that does not require mulesing. And uh, to, your, to your point, I think earlier on uh, today at this update, we have heard some pretty interesting figures about the uptake of, uh, of pain relief. And uh, I think it was some 80, was 85%. Early, 85%. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not being matched by declarations of the National Wool Declaration. So anyway, look, that's a whole new debate. Alison, thank you very much for, for joining us on The Yarn. Your, your work is so valuable to the industry, and um, it was great to, to hear your presentation today. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's always a fantastic opportunity at these events to just get out there and speak directly with Australian wool growers on their farming operations, but more importantly, their thoughts on our projects and investment areas. Julian von Bibra, a wool grower from Tasmania, just south of Launceston at Bowfront, spoke with AWI's Peter Slack-Smith at the Breach Strike Forum. Julian, you've been to these fly strike updates in the past. What struck you about today? No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yes, great to be um, keeping up with the latest uh, in what's happening in um, the industry in terms of managing uh, fly strike and how we as farmers are being supported by AWI and where our money's spent. So yeah, very, very interesting. There's a lot happening. It's comforting to know that the industry is working at what is one of our biggest challenges. And I'm confident that in years to come, it'll be less of an issue than it is today. 
Out of the presentations we've heard so far, what's the resounding message or the, the takeaway for those growers who, who haven't been here and been able to hear all the presentations? One of the more interesting points is our commitment to the NVD um, on the, our specifications and not all growers are making use of that NVD and I've been lucky enough to meet with the trade and they are very much looking for us to fill that declaration and at this stage it's been adopted by some but not all and I think we're missing as an industry an opportunity to promote the good work we're doing and that need to um, make those declarations really clear and um, get the statistics up. And I think Kerry Hansford from AWEX um, presented the latest figures and I think it was saying 66% of the clip is currently declared. So there's a bit of room there for, for improvement if um, growers are looking to improve an area, any area which really they don't need to do anything except fill in the paperwork. Yes, it's often the paperwork that lets farmers down and uh, it, it's not a hard one. Um, our records are all there at shearing time and it, it, it's just a, um, two more minutes and most growers would have that ticked off on and um, that, that, that's what the trade is after, that's what our industry is after and it's just... Uh, another um, method of ensuring that we, we are doing the right thing by our animals. Although the sheep blowfly, Lucilia caprina, or Lucy as she's less affectionately known, costs the Australian wool industry $173 million a year in treatment, prevention and production losses, I think it's safe to say that A, we've come a long way since the wrinkly Vermont merinos of the mid-20th century, and B, that breach flystrike technologies will continue to be developed for our wool growers. Well, that's a wrap for this week, folks. Thank you for tuning in. And now that you've heard from me, I'd really like to hear from you. So send us your feedback at theyarn at wool.com and rate and review us on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already to make sure you're spinning yarns every week. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Bale and Twitter at Wool Innovation. I'm Ellie Bigwood, thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to our next yarn.